have until the count of five. I happen to love the number five. It's a beautiful number, a glorious number. You got to the count of five. Welcome everyone to the Got Till 5 Wrestling Podcast. My name is Max Curtin and my beautiful co-host is Jesse Patrick-Benz. Hello, Jesse. Hello, Max. How are you, my good friend? I'm good. I'm in a chipper mood today. I was talking to you earlier about why I'm in a chipper mood. We can talk about that later, just on like how I'm quite happy at the moment life's pretty good it's a rarity it's a rarity for everyone um quick plug so let, let me tell you what we've got going on in this episode we've got an interview coming up with uh, gary ward who is the promoter at wrestlegate pro they've got an amazing show coming up on saturday so we're gonna have a chat with him and uh he's gonna give you all the details of where you can catch this amazing show that's happening uh also because we used them today we should probably mention them this podcast is sponsored by Monkey Banana, so make sure you go to monkeybanana.de to get all of your microphones, music, all your kind of accessories that you need for that, and also get the latest edition of Cooling Spots, where you can see a lovely little feature of your favourite Got Till 5 podcast. Did I cover it all, Jesse? You covered it well, and the next Cooling Spots, um, I saw the artwork they released, I think they got two covers, of ones of Kofi Kingston and ones of The Elite, and I can't remember the name of the guy, but um, he's painted them in like watercolour and it looks wicked. He's very talented, isn't he? Because the Becky Lynch one was good as well. Yeah, I hate talented people. (laughs) I know you do. I know. Uh, Also, Jesse has actually suggested, he's done some work for this week's episode, and suggested this week's topic for the podcast. Yes. Shall we get to it after the interview? I will, but, you know, give a quick tease, quick tease. Okay, so um, there's a show that no one ever fucking talks about, and I think it's really good. So we're going to cover it top to bottom, every match, every promo. It's Survivor Series 2003. If you don't think it's a good show, fight me. Good, that, that would keep him entertained. Well done, Jesse. Uh, so pleased to introduce now, uh, as I mentioned before, Gary Ward of WrestleGate Pro. Gary, thank you so much for joining us. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. How are you guys? Okay. Oh, we're all good. We're all good. We uh, we appreciate you taking the time to come on because you're two days away from show day. I imagine uh, not the most peaceful or relaxing time. It's not too bad. It's not too bad. Uh, everything's done, sorted, ready to go. Uh, just final little little uh, bits to do. Just make sure everybody's you know travel sorted and um, times are set and we've got enough chairs and all. All the lots of nice things that people don't get to see. So <laughs> it's all the little bits, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. So yeah, we're, the, we're ready. We're ready to go. I imagine the stressful that it must be so stressful. And it's the bit you never think about. Just making sure, especially when you're booking internationally and you know wrestlers are from all over the place. Just making sure everyone can actually get there on time. Um, it, it can be. The good thing is, I've been, I was a, a pretty decent level football manager coach. So arranging people um was fine it's not you know this is easier than having to get a group of 17 blokes <laughs> ready on a saturday or a sunday morning so um this is a lot simpler uh even with the international travel it can be a bit stressful uh march was incredibly stressful i must admit um coming into it but uh, honestly once tomorrow hits um yeah i'll be i'll be nice and calm cool um on show days, I don't really get stressed because it's not really about what I do now. It's about what those guys and girls do. So I know that they're going to kill it and knock it out of the park. So it's, uh, yeah, it can be stressful in, st- in spells, but um, not too bad. Not too bad. 
You are a rare promoter if you don't get stressed <laughs> oh, on show yeah, days. Definitely. That's admirable. <laughs> just just backtracking a little bit here in terms of uh, where did all this wrestling stuff come from, Dan? Have you, has it always been around you and just something that you've always been interested in or is it a recent thing that's come into your life? Uh, no, I've always been a wrestling fan. So even before I was a fan of anything, you know, football, anything, uh, it's the only thing I can ever remember watching as a child um, from my mum and my brother have always told me that it literally is the only thing I've ever ever did or watched or played with the figures and everything so from early you know early age three or four from what i'm being told and so i can vividly remember things in 1989 1990 they're my earliest memories but literally earliest memory in life is wrestling so always been a wrestling fan um, and this has always been been the dream really that's perfect imagine your earliest memory just being like the undertaker looking at you yeah, start starts you need to go on. I feel like um, something something weird like that must have. I must have seen something strange. Look, what a, I, it's not my earliest memory, but I think my earliest wrestling memory is Kane, which is a weird image, like out of context when you don't know what wrestling is and you see people like that. It's just weird. Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I can vividly remember, um, and you could probably go back and watch it on the network. Is when Hulk Hogan was kind of cr- crushed by um, Earthquake and on his actual VHS video at the time once that happens the um, locker room door slams shut but hanging in there is his, is his gold cross and I can remember sobbing my heart out and my mum going I think he's going to be alright you know, there's, there's, <laughs> there's another hour left on the video I think he's going to be fine but I can remember like I was just hooked from an early age you know, absolutely hooked and now I'm 33 now, and I'm I'm probably more hooked than I've ever been. Awesome, that's br- yeah, that's brilliant. Because uh, how many shows are we at now with WrestleGate? This is the third show. Third show, it's okay. So what was the kind of triggering point to go? You know what? Let's get in the wrestling game then. So I was a photographer before, um, backstage, and you know did ringside, etc. Um, again, that was kind of falling falling into it really always been a wrestling fan but never wanted to be in the ring um, always been a very much a management type of person so enjoy management simulators etc so always did the bookings and things like that and all you know like we all think we know the best and we all know you know our view is better than anyone else's you know I was one of those people too so it was always mm. fantasy booking all the time and um, I, I went to the, watch the UFC in Ireland um, I picked up a camera for the first time there and thought, wow, this is pretty cool. Um, spoke to a promoter that came to our, you know, I live in a very, very small town. They came here and I just asked if they would mind me taking some pictures. I thought, let's see if I could do it. And uh, yeah, um, that was a good two years photographing all over. And I think being behind the scenes and understanding things more and more, it, it that, that drove this inner dream a little bit more because I've always wanted to do it but never ever thought I could I thought it's going to be so much money I'd have to have thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds and all this and all these contacts you know and I never really understood how someone would get into it and I guess being behind the scenes being a photographer you know it really did help me so I gained some vital knowledge and contacts and you know um, it, it really helps helped me Nice. Heyman, yeah, Paul Heyman started as a photographer as well, so there might be some in yeah. there. Yeah, Jim Cornette too. Yeah, 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 yeah. Paul Heyman. I think there was somebody else as well, but it does, I do forget, actually. I think there was one more. 
Uh, you know, if I do anything like, you know, 10% of anything either of those two guys have done, or 5% of either of those two guys have done, I- I'm a happy guy. You know, I'm happy now. <laughs> if it's stopped tomorrow, I'm delighted with what we've done in these two shows. So, Well, let's, let's, give, it, let's give it till Saturday so you get another yeah, show. Yeah, let's get Saturday done. <laughs> <laughs> make a decision then because yeah. I was going to say that to you it, it's a case of so when I saw Russell Gate kind of come on the scene like first show promotion and stuff like you were on the ball from the get go like the um, images looked amazing the the promotional aspect was on point It the, the way you approached the, the promotional aspect seemed like you've been doing it for years and like the, this wasn't your first rodeo so how important was it for you to kind of start off with a good foot forward so for me, the the most important part is your visuals, so your graphics, and then what the actual cover of the shows look like. Um, being a photographer, I was so keen to have make sure that those graphics are perfect. We've done a fantastic job with that, and I think that's really really helped us uh, grow virally, and people uh, noticed us very very quickly. Um, as soon as I released our logo, I mean, I had some you know very reputable people within the industry messaging me and you know wanting to know about us and see if they can be assistants which is you know very surreal but I on I, and I say this to other you know promoters that are, are starting some people who I'm quite good friends with now and um, ask for advice like, you just clearly do you're going to be you're going to be okay I think and um, I, I'm so proud of the way everything looks um, I think it looks great uh, so what is your favourite or if you've got a weird experience like what's your favourite experience so far over these past couple of shows or just even the general process from the start a weird experience honestly is people walking around with our t-shirts on I know that yeah. sounds really strange but it is it's crazy um, sometimes I, you know I, I as a photographer I look at everybody's photos that promotions put up because i just enjoy photography and sometimes i'll see a wrestlegate shirt in there or a hoodie and i just think this is mental really really strange that just feels very weird and surreal to me still now that we get to see something that you know i've created people walking around with it on so that's that's mental um other aspects of just the number of high caliber talent that's one that's wanting to work with yeah, yeah, without doubt. I, I think that's always the thing. It's being able to see yourself places is um, always a trip. I, even something stupid as like, I remember when I saw one of our stickers up somewhere that, that me and Jesse didn't do. And that was like a really stupidly proud moment for me. And I was like, it's a sticker. What are you getting so happy about? It is. It's, it, it's just because it's, you've created it, you know? Um, and it means something to you. It means more to you. It means but it means so much to you and then to see people going yeah i'm in on this um it's very humbling um even that like saving that i don't think i'll probably ever get over that i think that would always be always feel like that for me so uh you've come out of the gate red hot as we've mentioned so what is the kind of plan for wrestlegate where, where do you want to see yourself on the british independent scene i mean i'd be as I said I didn't want us at the top because you know everybody wants to see that uh, of course but I, I just want us to progress from show to show I want to uh, attract ourselves to new fans um, people from all around the world something new and a different concept um, it's just my vision of what wrestling is but listening to you know other people within the industry that are highly regarded that I respect and sort of 
mentors, etc., and listening to their opinions and just really looking to grow this this new brand really into into British wrestling. I think we have a have a a void, a space for it. Um, I think there is still so many people that crave an alternative to the bigger promotions in America, etc. Um, and and I want to be that. I, I really want this to be seen by all four corners of the world. So um, for us, this is why we try and have a lot of international talent, um, but have it built with our core British guys and girls. Um, that 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 is really the, what WrestleGate is. Yeah, that that's spot on. Um, so something we always like to throw at our guests when they come on, and uh, I, I, we'll come up with something in a second. But I just want to ask, kind of, what's your personal kind of favorite aspect of wrestling? Like, do you enjoy tag teams, managers? What, what's what's something that kind of stands out for you in wrestling? I've always been a tag team wrestling fan. I do like tag team wrestling. Um, uh, I, I'm a real big fan of Japanese wrestling. I love the, the hard-hitting style. Um, I like a long match, you know, a slow build, accelerates, slows back down again for like a 10, 15-minute, like, blitz finish. I love watching those type of matches, which you regularly get out in Japan currently and then back in, you know, the 80s, 90s, uh, you know, all Japan, Noah, when they first started those type of um, shows there the, uh, and matches there that's what i like but i i do enjoy a character you know like a car and who we have on saturday um car mm. is just he mesmerizes me just by not saying a word and just by little things that he does and and then i equ- and then i'm equally mesmerized by like a chris ridgeway who could just walk out and you think oh shit he's gonna beat the crap out of me here you know yeah that yeah, there's definitely. just so much in wrestling there's so many different cultures characters styles that there is just so much for everybody that that you know if you open your minds i think that anyone can be a wrestling fan so what do you reckon jesse for the top five yeah. Ooh, um, well, he said he likes tag team wrestling. Um, let's go with top five tag teams. Putting top, you on the spot here, Gary. Top five tag teams. Okay. Um, Steiner Brothers. Nice. Mm-hmm. Young Bucks. Solid. Nice. Uh, Heart Foundation. Oh, excellent choice. You know what? I love Demolition. Ah, oh, okay. Nice. Yeah, like Demolition's Demolition. a good show, actually. I haven't thought about Demolition for a while. Yeah, yeah. And I think they're underrated. Even now, I think people kind of overlook them as... Uh, at the time, they were always seen as a rip-off to, uh, to Legion of Doom or Road Warriors. Yeah. And they, were, yeah. they weren't. Um, I really enjoyed them. Um, let's try and get a more modern version tag team. I actually genuinely... I don't know what they... I don't watch WWE anymore, but I haven't for about 18 months. Um... Dash and Dawson, do they have their own tag team name now? Oh, the Revival. Oh, yeah. Revival. Revival. I think they're a phenomenal team. Honestly, uh, yeah, I think one of the, the best tag teams going today, yeah. honestly. Yeah. They're yeah. Same. Absolutely fantastic. So I, I wish they could get more of, a, more of a spotlight. That is five solid choices right there. It's not bad, eh? Being on the spot. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. Well, this is what we like to test, and then we see see who does the quickest and who does the slowest. So uh, I, I think we'll put you near the top on that one. Thank you. Thank you. I wouldn't mind having that as a tag team division. Sheesh. Oh yeah. You you'd be sorted, wouldn't yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so let's um just quickly. <clears throat> oh, my voice has gone all of a sudden. 
let's just quickly talk about the the card this Saturday. Uh, main event still, we've got Pack, Robbie X, and Jody Fleisch. Yes. Oh, incredible! The minute I saw that, I was like, "Can I get from Brighton to Nottingham?" Yes, you can. Justifiably, <laughs> yes, I can. <laughs> Absolutely. Someone, someone, someone asked me to, um, in very few words, um, explain the show on Saturday, and I said. Jodie Flash, Pack, Robbie X. And they said, yep, okay, that sold it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's absolutely incredible main event, but it's just like you haven't pinned it all on just that one good match. You, you look at everything that's going on uh, on the card, um, absolutely unreal. Have you got any kind of favourites that you're looking forward to? Uh, obviously the main. Um, very interested to see what Cara and John Badbones can get up to. Um, very keen to see how hard... Um, Gabriel Kidd and Niwa can literally hit each other because I think those two guys are going to really very bring hard. it. Spoiler, uh, very yeah, hard. I think that's going to be. Um, I'm quite interested in in Sean and and uh, um, Chris Ridgeway as well. I think two are fantastic um, wrestlers. Really excited yeah. for them. Um, honestly, every match on there is has something that I'm obviously I'm interested in because we put we put it together. But you every, put it together yeah, exactly. Everything on there is just. It, it is exactly what we wanted to do is originally it was just super a, a big super card and and that was it you know we were going to do one show that was it done but um circumstances changed and we decided no this this carry on and we're going to do these super shows big cards every every other month and um, this is what i'm trying to bring you know and i don't think there's a weak match on that on that card at all definitely not they're all solid so uh quickly tell the people where they can uh, obviously find Russell Gate and also where they can get tickets for this Saturday because honestly this is a show you're not going to want to miss so we're, we're based in, in Nottingham uh, the Rushcliffe Arena that is our home we're, we won't be moving from there um, so all our, all our shows are there um, it's this Saturday doors are at 5.30 um, first bell is 6.30 prior to that we have a um, partnership with NGW who are based in Hull um, they are one of the best promotions around for children and families. Um, and I think that this is a fantastic opportunity for WrestleGate to uh, not only you know, market ourselves to the more hardcore wrestling audience, but also have a family aspect there so people can have a full day of wrestling. Um, I think that's, that's fantastic. Um, tickets are available on WrestleGatePro.com. Uh, tickets from £15 for general admission. Uh, front row is 25 we have as of recording 10 10 left i believe so um and i'm gonna promise that this isn't gonna this isn't a show to miss now i've i've really 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 promise you're not gonna want to miss what's gonna happen he's he's teasing it well he's teasing it well do not miss this you got me excited gary Uh, and me i'm not even gonna I'm nowhere near it. Fuck it, Jesse. Let's go. Let's go. I, I, if you want to come, I'll sort you out. But trust me, you don't want to miss it. Trust me. Uh, sounds amazing. <laughs> like, honestly, anyone listening, get over to Nottingham if you can. I know there's a lot of you up north that are listening um, to this, so uh, make sure you don't miss this show. Gary, it's been an absolute pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for giving us just, like your insight into the promotion, and uh, we wish you nothing but the best of luck with it. It's uh, you're of honestly killing it uh, thank you very much i appreciate having me on and uh you know best of luck to you guys on on your podcast it's uh it's been a pleasure thank you mate. cheers man and that was gary ward of wrestlegate pro gary thank you for joining us that was fun wasn't it jesse patrick Burns? i had so much fun 
Educated. Educated. Um, yeah. Honestly, good show. Like, absolutely stacked show. Mate, he, that he sold alone. it just by, just by saying, you know, his teasing of something's going to happen. I ain't saying what has, has already got me wanting to know. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> He's such a child. <laughs> it's like a slight tease. <laughs> You're invested. Oh, but uh, how how are you? I didn't get to ask you at the top of the show, and I feel rude. So, are you okay? I'm very well, thank you. Um, you are peppy. Peppy is a good word to describe me right now. Um, doing a gig tomorrow um, in a nearly sold out village hall, which is exciting. Um, big money, big money, money. Um, and then what? I'm in Cambridge all weekend, um, rehearsing with another band that I'm gigging with through the summer at various festivals. Um, band called Glimjack, check them out if you're a wrestling folky person, which I, I think there's officially one, and he's talking right now. Um, uh, yeah, I was about to say there's literally dozens, yeah. but there's really not. <laughs> no, there really isn't. <coughs> um, yeah, all happy days, mate. Um, been at the outdoor. I'm going to plug every, all of my friends now. Um, the outdoor inn, um, which yes. is a new outdoor great pub bar. in Cheltenham. Yeah, great bar. You came for their um, the first night they opened. Uh, that place is slowly killing me because I basically it's basically like my mates are running a bar, and yeah, I was the celebrity guest on opening night. Yeah, exactly. They went big. They went big on the book. They went big, and um, we yeah. So basically, I'm there quite a lot because I always know there's going to be someone there I know, which is quite dangerous. You social little butterfly. That's me. Uh, I am a fun wrestling related thing. I went to my first ever live SmackDown taping this week. Ooh. So boring. Oh dear, really? <laughs> it was alright. You know, it's it's not a house show, it's not NXT. Um it was just because it was the go home show for money in the bank, it was just I think I saw three matches in total right. over two hours. Yeah, that's and pretty rough. How were the promos? They were, they were fine. There was a lot of them. There was a lot of them. There was uh, I think that was my main bugbear. It's just uh, I love a good promo, but there was one bit where Charlotte comes to ring, and you've since sat down, so you guys know. Uh, she comes down to the ring, says like two lines, and then they play a five-minute video package of her and Becky. Five-minute video package. Jesus, it was horrendous. But then uh, two or five live came on afterwards, and that was just a highlight of the night. Like two or five, absolutely killed it. Nice. And you sent me a picture of Paige, which I fully appreciate because um, she will be my wife one day. She will be. Dream big, buddy. Dream big. Yep. <laughs> so let's get into a... Not really a top five. Let's get into something. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. Are you ready? Oh, hell yeah. You fans can stick it, brother. Who's your daddy, Montreal? Let's get into Survivor Series 2003. This is um, uh, Survivor Series 2003, believe it or not. It's um, from 2003, and it was Survivor Series. Correct. (laughs) This is a good Uh, show. Should we just start from the start and just go through this show? There's a lot to talk about. We should, so... 
sorry, I'm just going to preface this in the sense of like, uh, so Jesse came to me with a very excited idea and he never has ideas for this podcast. And he was like, I want to, I want to run through a whole show, talk about like the matches and the segments, you know, do our usual jokey shit that we do and then do a little top five at the end of like our favorite moments overall. And I was like, let's run with it. It's a great idea. And uh, we decided to go for Survivor Series 2003, which as you mentioned, 2003, not the best year for WWE. Um, but this one is a, a sleeper in the middle that doesn't get enough recognition. I agree. It's, uh, there's so much on this. So we have um, uh, there's seeds planted for a few WrestleMania 20 matches that ended up being fantastic. It all started at this show. Um, it's the death of the American badass Undertaker on this show before he Spoilers. came back at WrestleMania 20. People know. Um, before <laughs> he came back at WrestleMania 20 as the dead man. Um, it's, it's just a cool show. There's some horrific... There's two cases of horrendous blading which is always oh, God, fun. Yes. Um, there's a um, six-week retirement of Stone Cold Steve Austin, um, but at the time, it felt like a big deal. It's, it was a big uh, deal. Yeah, for So uh, let, let's kick off from the beginning here. So either you can pause this and watch the whole two-hour and 50-minute um, pay-per-view right now, or listen to this podcast and watch it right afterwards, and then uh, as you're watching it, you go, oh, yeah, Max was right. Oh, yeah, Jesse said that was funny. And just do that for the next two hours. That's how it works. So um, we kick off to survive. Do you have what it takes to survive? And Please don't do the whole package. <laughs> to defy destiny, to cheat fate. I know more of it than I should. Um, so it starts, uh, one of the first things we see, he says to survive and we see a picture of Benoit and I'm sad. <laughs> <laughs> Straight away. <laughs> I miss those video packages with like... Oh, it just got you hype, doesn't it? Yeah, it's awesome. They, they still do them, but I feel like they were much better back in 2000... Well, from 2000 onwards to about 2004, they've really got your motor going. Yeah, this dude's like... He's going through each match, but talking about them kind of biblically. Like, he talks about Team Angle versus Team Lesnar, and he says, like, can the technical prowess of um, David overcome the giantism of Goliath, or something like that? Um which, that's the kind of shit I buy into yeah man it's awesome and then they talk but about Vince being a demon who's like fucked everyone over and they like almost subliminally show a picture of Bret Hart did you notice that when they were talking about Vince oh I didn't um, Vince being a demon in that package which I thought was cool uh, well um, way to just skip over the, the pre-show of the Jerry versus Jamie Noble Jerry that versus Jamie Noble minutes. on heat Jamie Noble accompanied by a blind Nidia um, yes, because Tajiri splayed um, black retina burning mist in his face. Yes, he her did. face. Which, um, it, to be fair, if I had it, I would too. And but do you know why this was bumped? Because of the segment in the middle of the show, which we'll get to. They bumped this to the pre-show, which was like not really heard of at the time of having like advertised for the pay-per-view and then just being like, ah, fuck it, we'll put you on the pre-show. Yeah, yeah, probably the first example of it happening. And obviously, it's um, it's just the, the cru- dumb thing. Cruiserweight title. Yeah. yeah. But, I mean, Jerry, I love both performers, but I can't imagine it was, um, you know. It lasted four minutes. Yeah, that, exactly. that, That's uh, to one, he retained against Jamie Noble. On to the 5-on-5 Survivor Series Smackdown Elimination Chamber match, please. Five, elimination Chamber match? Yep, I can't talk today. No. Uh, cool, Smackdown, 5-on-5. Five five. <laughs> so, um, first thing we get is um, John Cena coming out. Um, the doctor, baby, doctor of Thugonomics, Taz says. Word life. Word life. Um, uh, yeah, show opening pyro as well. That was good. Um, I missed that. Um, Dallas. It's all in Dallas. I'm going to Dallas for Thanksgiving this year. I'm very excited about that. So that's this nice. Is, uh, this is in Dallas. 
Yeah, this is your first long-haul flight, isn't it's it? my first time ever to America, yeah. So um, mm-hmm. I'm very excited about that. And I will You're going to die. I'll, I'm going to get shot. <laughs> and that's not just an American stereotype. It's just Jesse's personality. I'm just going to say the wrong thing. Uh, no, it's good. I'm going to get me some rooting tootin' cowboy boots. And um, <laughs> I'm going to go see a cactus. Uh, the... Oh, you finally get to live the dream. Yeah, man. Oh, it's been on my bucket list since I, know. I was a child. We've, a... we've mentioned this on the podcast. Have Please we? send a picture. Oh, God, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. I'm going to take a picture with my arm round. I can see, like, it's going to be like a flip book. Like, so it's going to be me seeing the cactus, me putting my arm round the cactus, then a picture of me, like, in pain with loads of spikes in my arm. <laughs> <laughs> and then kicking the cactus for getting needles in. Oh, it's just a whole whole system. <laughs> it's a whole system. And then just like me falling to my knees and the sun burning me and I'm going all red. <laughs> um, it's going to be a like, little picture. Can't wait. Can't wait. Um, yeah. So, yeah, Cena comes out. Um, while Michael Cole's introducing the show, Taz immediately says, shut up, Cena's here to Cole. And I wish more people would do that now. Um, he did shut up. He did shut up, yeah. Cena um, starts doing his um, rap. And this is awesome, right? So he basically advertises the whole show at the start of the show and mentions the other matches that are happening. He's like, um, he's like Matt Morgan, Nate Jones, they need to talk to the grave digger. I'm burying both those suckers. They need to make that grave bigger, which is pretty cool. Um, yeah. He says something about um, oh, A-Train, uh, Brock Lesnar, they don't stand a chance. I guess Shane and Kane need to make some room in that ambulance. Um, ambulance. Ambulance. Uh, which is cool. I really like that. that he's sort of mentioned uh, the shit that's going on. Um, he asks, he says he doesn't need a stable. He wonders if he could trade in his four partners for a one-night stand with Sable, um, which I like. Objectifying women, which Objectifying is like... Women. But then yeah. Michael Cole goes, can I trade you in? With, to Taz. Um, so that's... Um, Michael Cole continuing to battle his homosexuality. Um, (laughs) Michael Cole also mentions that um, Cena's on rare form. Um, Taz agrees and also points out that Cena's in the house, which I quite liked. Um, uh, And then we get um, everyone else come out. Benoit's music hits. Um, He comes out, which is awesome. Uh, We get um, Bradshaw without Farouk because Farouk was injured by the big show a couple of weeks before. Um, so Farouk is not in this match Bradshaw is out and um, actually Michael Cole says that Kurt Angle has um, put together a team of loners but it's like no he hasn't because it was supposed to be Bradshaw and Farouk who they're attacking Um, then we get Brock Lesnar's team all comes out this by the way is the first ever show that Brock Lesnar I think it's the until Wrestlemania 30 30, no not 30 what am I talking about the last Wrestlemania that happened what was that 35 yes that and this are the only two shows that Brock Lesnar has ever opened. Ah, that's interesting. Curtain jerking, yeah. Um, so um, Brock Lesnar's team comes out with Big Show, Nate Jones, um, Mayor Matt Morgan, who recently became um, a mayor of somewhere in America, um, which is weird. Is he dead? Matt Morgan? Yeah. No, he's all right. He's a mayor. Ah. Yeah, straight up mayor, mate. Um, <laughs> hang on. <laughs> he, um, I'm on it. I'm already typing. You're already, I'm already typing. typing. Matt Morgan, mayor. Mayor. Oh, I came up with deputy mayor. No, he's a real no, mayor. mayor. Mayor of Longwood. There you go. I don't know where Longwood I is. S- I swore he died. No, you're thinking of someone else. Uh, Nate Jones might be dead. I don't know anything about him. At one point, no, he's still going. He's doing movies now. He was last in the Mad Max movies I saw him in. Oh, fair enough. Good for him. Um, 
I remember, um, yeah, Taz says, um, that look how little Nate Jones's head looks on his massive body. But I think, really, Nate Jones just has a tiny little head. <laughs> it doesn't matter how big his body is. <laughs> He's just got a little head. Um, A-Train comes out, his body absolutely disgusts me. Um, and then Lesnar comes out, last, obviously, um, as the WWE champion. Um, and the first thing Hardcore Holly does is start beating him up outside the ring, which is cool. Um, he goes beeline because uh, the backstory of this is Brock Lesnar broke uh, Hardcore Holly's neck. Yes, exactly. And he took it personally. He did take it personally, which he would. And um, Hardcore Holly, and this is the most Hardcore Holly thing in the world, so it's like you know, he comes back and Vince is like, yeah so after all your years of service, ridiculous amount of time that you've worked here and got jack shit for it, um, we're going to um, you know, put you in a programme with Brock Lesnar and um, you can you know, you'll eventually challenge the WWE title, you're going to have a sniff of the main event scene, it's going to be wicked Hardcore's like, great, so it starts the Survivor Series um, you won't be wrestling like, just doesn't, like, <laughs> doesn't get to do anything really he just gets a, disqualified straight away at well, the well this of the is something I thought I missed I don't remember hearing the bow ring when Harker Holly goes after him because Lesnar technically doesn't get in the ring so the bow shouldn't have sounded no and it doesn't the bow doesn't sound so, so there's no reason to disqualify Harker Holly it's just yeah no you're right it's just this is um, a shit pay-per-view it's a, oh man let's just stop now um, <laughs> backlash 2004 <laughs> we'll do that one soon um the, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's referee's discretion, mate. He can do what he wants. And Hardcore Holly, um, I personally think any match is better when it doesn't have Hardcore Holly in it. So I've got no problem with this referee's decision. That's fair. It's fair. Yeah, yeah. Um, we open with um, JBL um, just immediately hits a clothesline from hell on A-Train the, and eliminates what, him. One of my favourite finishing moves. It is actually, to be yeah, for everything bad that we've ever said about JBL. Um, and there's a lot. His And there is a lot. His clothesline from hell does look awesome and always has done. It looks hits the really ropes, yeah. boom. I mean, it's a oh. Stan Hansen ripoff, but it, yeah, it does look does look cool. He is a Stan Hansen ripoff. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so that happens. Then Bradshaw immediately gets eliminated by Big Show after a choke slam, um, and then we're what are we on then? It's four on three, isn't it? For like a yeah. long time after that. Um, yeah, it's a good like eight minutes of just no more eliminations. Yeah. Um, we have some wrestling. Um, at one point, <laughs> that's wrestling. That's wrestling. Um, at one point, John Cena hits um, the throwback, which is like a he does a forward flip over the back of Brock Lesnar and lands in a bulldog, and it's awesome. And why did he stop doing it, Max? Because he's old and he's a big boy, and I imagine it's not too fun for him to do. It was awesome. It was a really. Cool it was movie. awesome. Great move. Cena was Can on I... fire at this point, and he was. It's no exaggeration, I don't think, to compare him to 1997 Stone Cold Steve Austin. He had that sort of feeling about him around well, this c- time. Can I implement my first fact of the evening then? You may. So this was something I learned recently. Um, so obviously this was a hot moment for John Cena. But on the go-home show of SmackDown, uh, Cena and Chris Benoit defeated Lesnar and Big Show in a tag team match. After the bout, without any kind of, you know, any kind of implication, Cena jumps Benoit and hits him with an FU and takes him out. Now this was Michael Hayes' idea to uh, give him an edge, similar to kind of the loner Stone Cold. That's what Hayes pitched it as. Yeah. Uh, and he sent the idea to McMahon, who was like, yes, I love it. Um, and the rest of creative just completely were like, that's not a good idea. Um, but the crowd reaction was just like complete confusion. They were annoyed and they hated it. And because of that, they completely edited the angle from the whole broadcast. So that thing was never seen um, with Cena turning on Benoit. 
Well, there you go. Um, and it's, yeah, and it, that sort of, that did work for Stone Cold in 97. He would just, like, all Stone Cold did through all of 97 was come out, stun someone, just in, like, random people's matches. That was his, like, life. He would just come out to any old match, just fuck them all up and then leave. And I think uh, they thought that could work with Cena in the same way, but it doesn't, really. It doesn't. It doesn't. We get, sorry, carry on. That okay. was just my fun fact. Lovely, good fun fact. Um, we get a um, fun flurry from Kurt Angle, um, who I believe eliminates Nate Jones and Matt Morgan within a couple of minutes. Um, Kurt does. Angle was wrestling with a damaged neck, which, um, <laughs> surprise, surprise. And um, so that's why he had a very short and sweet moment in this match and um, didn't actually wrestle again after this until the Royal Rumble. He had a form of break, didn't he? Um, yeah, I mean, a break, not a break. Like, he was still there. He was still doing special refereeing on house shows and still yeah, doing angles yeah. and stuff. Um, not angle slams, just angles. But he did, uh, yeah, he did, um, he had bone chips in his neck. Ugh, in his groove neck. And, um, <laughs> yeah, so he eliminates Nate Jones and Matt Morgan, who didn't stand a chance and had to go see if there was room in that ambulance. Um, then Brock Lesnar hits him with the F5 and gets rid of him so now we have a rematch of um the match you were just talking about on the go home smackdown it's big show and lesnar against cena and benoit and it's uh, there's some great wrestling that goes on and um benoit um has i i love benoit and lesnar had some good chemistry man and um it's a shame that they never had a proper program they had um a couple of matches didn't they but they sh- yeah. if they'd had a proper program a proper pay-per-view one-on-one between lesnar and benoit i would have absolutely loved um and yeah uh, it's just smackdown wasn't it when they when they seemed to have matches yes yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, they they did they did them did them on house shows a lot there's you can youtube it and find benoit lesnar house show matches which are very good but the the huge moment which planted the seed for for wrestlemania 20 was um, old Brocky Lesnar, the WWE champion, tapping out, tapping out to Chris Benoit. Tapping out. For the first time in his career, his hand hits the mat. And it's great. It's like, I love that. You tapped out, child, which you just don't hear anymore, which is really funny and demeaning. And That went on for weeks afterwards. Yeah, I remember on SmackDown, he would come out and it would just be, you tapped out. And you can see in Brock's eyes, he's like, I regret agreeing to this. <laughs> this has ruined me yeah but that makes Benoit look awesome and then in turn we get um, uh, John Cena who with the referee's back turns because he's you know this sort of stone cold 97 character uh, manages to pick up a chain and punch Big Show in the head with it before lifting him up for an FU attitude adjustment and WrestleMania 20 Exactly, setting up the um, US title match for WrestleMania 20. Well, that's and... the exact same end of the WrestleMania 20 match, yes, isn't it? Right. He hits him with a chain and then picks him up for the FU. Yeah, exactly that. And um, I like that he um, attempted to go for the FU near the start of the match on Big Show, and the commentators sold it as like, don't be stupid, Cena. And then when he does lift him up at the end, it gets a great rise out of the um, out of the crowd. It's brilliant. Yeah, yeah, absolutely fantastic. And yeah, that was the end of the match. That's John the Cena... Finish. But uh, absolutely fantastic that they obviously kind of give the win to John Cena. They, they, they saw a lot in Benoit and Cena um, and actually kept their plans going into Mania of like, okay, these are the guys that we're going to build. Let's give them a good good moment at Survivor Series. Because this is what Survivor Series used to be. It used to be planting very subtle seeds for WrestleMania that you didn't notice until after Mania had happened. But there was stuff being planted. Now Survivor Series just is Raw versus SmackDown. It doesn't mean shit. Yeah, or they plant a seed really stupidly. Like, do you remember when Triple H pedigreed Kurt Angle at the end of the uh, match last year? Yes. And it was like, 
that just happened and then they don't mention it again until like two weeks before Mania and it's like oh yeah okay so Kurt Angle's going to be in a match with Triple against Triple H with Ronda and Stephanie and it's like, oh yeah remember when we did that Survivor Series and we haven't mentioned it for four months stupid <laughs> we planned it we planned it yeah, exactly. no it, it's ab- absolutely uh, this show features two of probably my favourite Survivor Series elimination matches um, th- this one has an absolutely stacked roster you had so many like up and coming good talent but you also had like established good people as well so it's an absolutely classic 5 on 5 for me and a great way to kind of kick off the show um, for getting kind of like really jazzed and really getting into it yep it's great um, she- uh, uh, Benoit and Cena um, shake hands at the end and you actually I read uh, Benoit's lips and he says be a man to be Cena, a man be a man which is uh, which is what he shouted at Randy Orton after at the end of SummerSlam 2004 when Randy beats him for the world title as well. When he asks, so that's obviously his thing when he shakes people's hands. Um, Cena just got turns this, it into uh... a vanilla ice fist bump, and Benoit looks uncomfortable about that. <laughs> I've got this image uh, that Chris Benoit's favorite go-to karaoke song was uh, "Be a Man" from Mulan. <laughs> I think without a doubt. I think I to... Hey, I um, was in a bar the other week, and they had a karaoke machine. And one of the songs on there was the Simpsons theme tune. So it just has... Says, does that work? It says The Simpsons <laughs> at the start of the song, and that the comes up. Simpsons. Simpsons. Yeah, and then you just stand there for 90 seconds while the rest of the song plays with no... No, no. You scat and beatbox your heart out when you're up there. But why was That's that? what I would do. Why is that on the on a karaoke machine? It's got two words in it. It's brilliant. I, that made it me did... happy. Did you sing a song? I did not sing a song, no. Although a friend of mine got up and sang I'm Not Okay, open brackets, I promise, close brackets by My Chemical Romance. Oh, that's that's a downer for an evening. That was right, yeah. I'm not okay. Okay, I'm not fucking okay. Um, Dark. It right. was good. Um, that was good times. So um, yeah. after this, we cut to backstage and Vince McMahon walks into Shane McMahon's locker room. Shane McMahon is shadow boxing, um, which is obviously his way to warm up um, against Cade. But I guess he must have been doing that. Like, so he'll be doing that shadow boxing until he goes out, right? And he doesn't go out for another half an hour. He must be knackered. Yeah, that also explains why his punches look the way they do. Um, <laughs> so uh, Vince and Shane are doing that. Uh, Vince says to Shane, um, "It's ironic. Don't you think it's strange that it's a father and son?" going against two brothers um and shane says i hate this line i hate this line so it's the way shane delivers it he's so he's a lot better recently hasn't he but uh back here he was this terrible actor and vince is a brilliant actor i think i think he's one of the best performers in wrestling history and um, vince mcmahon delivers this really well he's like it's ironic don't you think i just want to know how you're feeling and shane goes the only thing i'm feeling right now is sorry for you he sounds like Rio from Shenmue. <laughs> <laughs> he exactly what he sounds like. And um, so he says that. And uh, to be fair, he gets a pop out of it. The crowd go like, you know, woo! Oh, they'll pop for anything. Yeah. From Texas. Stupid Texans. I love you Texans. Oh, God, you see you're going there. Oh, God. Oh, God, don't kill me with your big guns. Um, uh, that happens. And then Vince looks a bit gutted and walks out the room. And runs into Stone Cold Steve Austin wearing his the greatest moment, the greatest moment wearing his Fuck Fear T-shirt, which I uh, used to really enjoy. Although Fuck Fear, even when I was younger, I was like, that doesn't really make sense. Who says that? Do you know what I mean? Fuck Fear, it's just weird. It's only there because it rhymes with drink beer. 
Well, it's an inspirational quote if ever I saw one. Fuck fear, drink beer. Yeah, I suppose so. Um, so they stare at each other. Uh, Stone Cold starts laughing. Vince laughs along. They start laughing maniacally. And then um, at the drop of a hat, Stone Cold stops laughing and just stares at Vince. And Vince looks uncomfortable and sad. He gets uncomfortable. He does. It's, uh, yeah, one of my favourite moments. It's great. For sure. For sure. Yeah, it is a very good moment. Um, Well, I feel like uh, your mouth ran wild on that five on five, so uh, we should probably take it in turns. But looking at the card, I've kind of been given the the shit end of the stick on this one. Oh, how dare you? How dare you? No, this is actually a really good match. I enjoyed this a lot. Uh, Molly Holly defending the WWE Women's Championship against Lita. So Lita's music hits. Um, I, I fucking love Lita's music. That's funny, actually. So after the um, Stone Cold Vince bit, JR and King are talking, and they're talking about how weird that uh, interaction that was. Then Lita's music starts, and King goes, this isn't weird, though. Woohoo! <laughs> oh. <And then Leah laughs> <laughs> I could do a whole podcast on the shit King says in this match, but uh, I'll leave it for now. So, but, uh, Lita comes out, and I'm 13 again, by the way. Um, still, weird things happen to me. I feel like I'm going through puberty all over again when I see 2003 Lita. <laughs> I was more 2008 Lita. Oh, yeah. Lita. Um, trash, um, trash Edge girlfriend Lita was awesome yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, but this Lita is wearing um, long socks over her knees, and I've always been into that. Me too. Yeah, it's nice. a bit like kryptonite. Like yeah. kryptonite. Long sock high five. A long sock high five. <laughs> okay. So, but I was about to criticise King for exactly what we just did. <laughs> Fuck's sake, Jesse. <laughs> Sorry. Also, let me get back on my high horse. So, just quickly as well. Only in Molly Holly comes out. And the shit that King says about Molly Holly, and he says the things, these things about Victoria around this era as well. And it's like only in something as fucking toxic as WWE would Molly Holly and Victoria be considered not attractive women. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like they're both pretty hot, but um, Vic- only Victoria. in WWE are they considered not hot. It's ridiculous. Yeah, Victoria's like way up there for me in terms of like hottest um, female wrestlers around this era. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, insane. But uh, Molly's champion, and she comes out, and they were they were playing up a lot on commentary the fact of Lita um, just recently returning from neck surgery because obviously broke it on on the show, um, a TV show she was doing, which I'd be gutted about if I was a wrestler. It broke was, my neck on a TV show. It was Dark Angel starring Jessica Alba, if you remember that show. She I, was, I do um, remember it. Yeah, she was doing some stunt work on it for some reason. Very weird, but uh, yeah, they they have a solid. I think it's about a seven minute match altogether. Um, the the thing with this era of women's wrestling is, I compare it as good, if not better, than the current women's revolution of wrestling that we've had over the past couple of years. Like, I love this stuff with Lita, Molly Holly, Jazz, Trish, Victoria. Absolutely incredible matches, and if they were given the time that the women are given now. It would have just been fantastic. Yeah, they were talented. I mean, when they talk about, oh, the bra and panties era of divas, and it's like, that really wasn't the case over. I mean, like, they did there sort were. of, they did over-sexualise the Smackdown. Oh, completely, yeah, yeah. With yeah, it was completely over-sexualised. But you had different elements. So, like, the five I just mentioned were the wrestlers, but you had people like um, Candice Michelle, Tori Wilson, Stacey Keebler, who were the kind of eye candy of the show. But that's kind of what gets remembered. Yeah, there were yeah, there they were did. there were some very good wrestlers and these are two of them. Yeah, exactly. And they put in some great matches and do some good uh high flying spots. The the match comes to an end after Lita misses a moonsault and then Molly executes the Molly go round almost uh, perfectly 
for a near fall. I love the Molly go round when she hits her. Yeah, it's awesome. And then uh, Molly Holly performs a drop toe hold on Lita into an exposed turnbuckle and pins her to retain the title. She does. Um, and that is the end of the match. Also, during this match, um, uh, Molly Holly hits an amazing um, handspring elbow into the corner and the crowd yes. couldn't give less of a shit. <laughs> I'm like, come on, that was fucking awesome. I felt so so just looping back to when I went to SmackDown, I felt so bad. But before the women came out, because it was um, Fire and Desire versus the Kabuki Warriors, as they're now referred to, mm. and I really needed a piss. Oh dear! And I was just like, oh, I'll, I'll wait until like the next talking segment, and then I'll go. But like, unfortunately, the next talking segment was the women's match. So I was like, I can't use the women as a piss break. It'll <laughs> undo everything they've worked for. But I said, I gotta go. I got it. Luckily, there was like a handheld promo from Ember Moon. I was like, fuck it, I'm going. I'm going. Nice. Yeah, that's and, the uh, yeah, by the time I got back, the match hadn't even started. They were talking for that long, so it was fine. Awesome. It was fine. But sorry, women. Sorry, women. Uh, also, uh, you've probably got this fact, um, but I'm going to drop this fact. Um, Molly is wearing a CH wristband, if you look closely. I was going to mention um, that next. Yeah, during this match, which is a tribute to Crash Holly, who had died uh, two weeks previous, I believe. Yes. There you go. Yeah. So nice little tribute to Crash. It was, and they uh, uh, they Kate barely Lee. acknowledged him on uh, on TV. They did no. He wrestled that year for them, I think. And um, uh, for yeah, he'd been gone for like four months when when they kind of did it. And uh, yeah, because it was yeah, it was a he was staying at Stevie Richards and Victoria's. Was he? I think yeah, if I remember correctly, and they were having drinks, and then uh, they found him with like vomit in his mouth in the morning, and he was you know dead. Dead was Stevie Richards and Victoria a real life couple? I don't know. Maybe if if they were kind of hanging out together it must be uh, also a, a side fact is Molly Holly because she's a great person and we love her would later donate a portion of the profits from her 2005 shoot interview to an education fund for Crash's daughter she's the nicest person in the world like she just so does nice. nice things you hear about her doing nice things all the time and you always hear about them like by accident when someone outs her for doing something nice so I bet there's so much shit that we haven't heard about that she's done as well like really good yeah. shit she she's a surefire Hall of Famer. They've got to do it. We love Molly. Um, mm-hmm. Next we have the ambulance match. Shane ambulance. versus Kane. Ambulance um, space has been made in that ambulance. And um, so first we get the promo package. Um, it opens with Kane tombstoning the um, administrator of the small business administration. <laughs> Donald Trump's um, cabinet. <sighs> uh, that's what um, that's what Kane does. Um, who also happens to be Linda McMahon, who is Shane's mummy. Um, it's a good tombstone, actually. Although I noticed that um, Kane couldn't bring himself to put his head in between her legs. Um, Pussy. <laughs> well, that's what he was avoiding. Um, <laughs> it's, oh, incidentally, um, a gay friend of mine went to a stag do um, the other week, and um, he went and he ended up in a strip club with all the guys and he was telling me about it and he wasn't happy about it at all and he was so bored in the strip club he fell asleep and so they <laughs> paid um, for a lap dancer to give him a lap dance um, whilst he was asleep and it, and he basically woke up with a minge in his face right and he said it was he said it looked angry it was pulsating at him and it smelled like a car battery <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was a pretty pretty good description. I've never... <laughs> I'm not going to finish that sentence. I'm not going to... 
I was happy with that. Anyway, um, we saw uh, we see Shade and Kay just fucking each other up. They've been doing that for a while. Um, Unforgiven, the pay per view before this, um, Shane and Kane had had a last man standing match where Shade had jumped off of like a fifty foot fucking bit of scaffolding, but missed As Kane, he does. and that's how it ended. Yeah. Um, but th- this match is happening. The ambulance comes out cool. first. You, you completely ignored the, the 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 electrical clamps on the testicles. Oh, of course. That's yeah. It's my favourite memory as a kid. Yeah, you're right. No, it is good. Yeah. So Kane, this is um, Kane, pretty freshly unmasked. He'd only been unmasked for a couple of months, and he yeah. was like fucking insane. Was his character? And um, yeah, at one point he's um, hooked up. It is a car battery, isn't it? Yeah, um, he hangs Shane from the, his hands to the ring post. He obviously got pins a him with after that tombstone, and uh, that gave him the idea. Um, <laughs> I know. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, yeah, and so electrocutes um, Shane's balls. Um, seemed to work all right because um, he had a kid not long after this. Um, all good so that's how, that's how it works <laughs> so um, the ambulance comes out um, first thing that happens is Kane's pyro hits and nearly sets the ambulance on fire the ambulance has to has back to up slowly back doesn't up. it yeah because the pyro's just gone off right in the front the driver must have been fucking shitting himself <laughs> um, Kane comes out with a towel on his head which looks stupid um, I remember when I was a kid the first time I saw him with that towel on his head I thought it was his weird hair and I was like what's going on this isn't right um but Suzuki, then, or he stole it? No, he stole it from Suzuki. Yeah, I think I think he did, didn't he? But um, it's a cool, it's a cool enough look. Um, as stupid as the towel looks, um, Jr. describes Kane as an inbred pit bulldog, which I quite like. Nice. Um, I like Kane's remix music with proper lyrics and stuff. I know it's quite a um, contentious uh, argument. No, no, yeah, no, I think it's cool. Yeah, I like it too. Um, this era of Kane is controversially one of my favourites. I I love Psycho Kane. He I thought his work scary. over the past year. Yeah, he set JR on fire. He was tombstoning battery smelling pussies. <laughs> he was diving into dumpsters. It was amazing. Yeah, I yeah, I think he I think it's a good under underrated Kane. He was uh, very good. I think I'm masking him. Even though I'm sure it was a very unpopular decision at the time, it actually worked out very well for him and it was a good idea. I was shook. Shook, sir. Uh, so I remember. Um, yeah, Shane comes I out remember. next. I remember. Shane comes out. Um, here comes the money. Blah blah. He walks down. Um, first thing he does is just jump straight into Kane, and they both go over the top rope. Kane lands oh. right on his fucking head. Oh my god! Like, if you take anything away from this podcast, just please watch the start of this match for when they do that clothesline over the top, and Kane defines gravity <laughs> and just goes. 180 <laughs> vertically on his head it's fucking horrible it's ridiculous seven foot man so you see it and then they show a replay don't they from like yeah. from like the camera they angle at the end from the entrance well. ramp and you just see he really does it looks like a cartoon just completely <laughs> upside down and just falls and somehow is fine and after landing straight on his fucking head um, Shane then jumps on him and hits those famous shit punches that he'd obviously been practicing so hard backstage. Hey man, his arms are tired. Lay off the guy. Yeah, he's been shadow boxing for days at this point. Um, <laughs> Why don't my arms work, man? Why don't my arms work? Um, so Shane uh, puts him on the table. He does his jump off the top rope to the outside through the table. Um, and then they immediately go backstage pretty much they run through the crowd and they're backstage now I've always wondered what do you think do you think the backstage stuff was pre-recorded ooh interesting no it wasn't because 
when they come back out through the curtain, they're all dusty, like they like when they go into the walls and stuff, and they've been on the floor. Okay. So I think definitely not pre-recorded, and also like all the fuck ups with the cameras that were happening. But that's cameras what, kept cutting out. But that's what makes me think it was pre-recorded. They could fake a camera cutouts and then play. Do you reckon they were just? Uh, they played the pre-recording and then, like, Shane and Kane were just dusting each other up. Mm, come here, Shane. <laughs> Gonna dust up your bum. But literally, the camera cuts out, right, um, when they go backstage. Then they fix it. Then the camera cuts out just before they come back out into the arena. Oh, you're, it seems you're like a, too much of a coincidence to me. You're a conspiracy theorist, I, I see. But um, in this, when they're backstage here, so we see... Um, um, a fun um, bit of throwing into walls and stuff. And then my... Possibly my favourite bit of the match. Um, Shane runs Kane over with a jeep. Oh yeah, and Kane just like no sells it. <laughs> no, he does sell. Like oh, he sort of. I mean, he gets run over. <laughs> you know, he does actually get run over. And then there's a second ambulance um, back there, which um, everyone's Shane... disappointment when Shane gets on the mic. He's like, bring it. And everyone's like, what's he bringing? What's going on? And then his ambulance shows up, and I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, no, that's it. I was like, oh, I'll fuck it, fine. Um, but Kane does his sit-up, because he's got that weird, you know, he's got that from his brother, they got the same DNA, so he can sit up and no-sell shit as well. They're both good at sitting up. They're good at sitting up, it's a family tradition. Um, I love the idea of Kane and Undertaker going to the gym together, and so they do their weight workout, and they're like, okay, let's do some cardio, and they lie in front of those mirrors you got at the gym, where, like, the, the girls do, like, their, their kettlebell like cardio stuff and it's just them doing sit-ups but they just do their sit-up and then they stay there for a bit and then they go back down and then they sit back up <laughs> i um i just thought of another t-shirt idea you know uh, we um when we do got to five t-shirts which will happen one day uh we've already got our god save the queen but with benoit redacted over mm. his eyes that's gonna be an awesome t-shirt um do you remember the um los guerreros t-shirts we lie we cheat we steal it's a family tradition yeah it's we should have those t-shirts but it should have just have like silhouettes of Kane and Undertaker sitting up and it just we sit up it's a family tradition <laughs> <laughs> no one steal these ideas they're gold that would be awesome right? um, I like that one cool yeah let's decide it um, so we get that <laughs> happening then they come back out into the arena after the camera cut which I'm not saying anything about um and we get some fun stuff here. So um, Shane does a little parkour DDT. No, he doesn't. He does a sort of parkour run up the ambulance, doesn't he? Um, when um, Kane tries to throw him into the ambulance. That's quite fun. Well, it's a bit before that where like um, Kane throws, throws Shane into the windshield and his head smacks against it and cracks it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's it bad. Does, yeah, it legitimately cracks the um, windshield. That's pretty bad. But Shane gets his revenge because when they go around to the back of the ambulance, oh, um, he gets Kane onto his knees, big boy. Kane's second big head injury in this match. <laughs> yes. And um, Shane um, gets the door of the back of the ambulance and hits Kane in the head with it uh, the first time, which is well sold and faked, puts and then his he hand gets up, armor. Fine. Yeah, Shane's not happy with that, so he puts him back there and um, does it the second time. And Jesus Christ, unprotected ambulance door straight to the side of Kane's head, so fucking hard. You've no idea. You can see it in Kane's eyes of like it's a realization moment for him. It's like someone just knocks him and says, "Oh, gee, where? Oh, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing? And What's I happening? And I can't retaliate because this is the boss's fucking son." Yeah, and yeah, I can't give him a, a receipt for this. I just have to kind of accept it. But yeah. I feel like that was the moment where just something clicked. Oh, I should run for mayor. No, <laughs> silly for, silly for. Never mind. <laughs> oh, Glenn. Um, <laughs> so that happens. Then uh, Shane puts Kane onto a padded bit of black. 
um, puts a dustpin. Weird way to word it. Yeah, well, that's what it is, really. Um, puts a dustpin in between his legs, jumps on top of the ambulance, and hits a coast to coast leg drop uh, or like drop kick thing onto him, uh, which is a cool, cool spot. It's a cool spot, and that is a cool spot. But then um, Kane just loses his temper and basically just picks Shane McMahon up, tombstones him, and throws him <laughs> in the ambulance. <laughs> I love. I love calling yeah. wrestling losing their temper. <laughs> he gets a little cross. <laughs> he does. So he just, yeah, he just tombstones K, uh, Shane he, on the outside. He sniffs his car battery <laughs> and he, he drills him into the floor. He does. Yeah, checks him in. And that's the end of it. And then we, uh, the camera follows the ambulance driving through like all the backstage and through the car park and stuff for a weirdly long time. It does. My favourite bit of that was um, because I had to manoeuvre at the arena because it was quite a tight fit and Kane was standing, like, given instructions to stand there and look menacing so we can get the shots and stuff. Yeah. And and the ambulance starts, like, backing up so it can make the turn correctly and Kane's like, do I move? Yeah. Or do, do you want a shot? I, I don't know what I'm doing. Do I get run over for the second time in ten minutes? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, they eventually, like, get it out and, uh, yeah, take... The, the local medical facility has been alerted that uh imagine making that phone like obviously he's not taken to a medical facility but imagine some PR guy in WWE is like yeah hi is this uh the, the local Dallas medical facility okay yeah yeah this is uh WE so uh we're having an ambulance match and they're like I'm sorry what <laughs> uh, oh, it, ambulance match I, I don't I don't know what that is <laughs> but, someone will need it I don't know who but someone will need intensive care in a couple of hours <laughs> yeah they'll, they'll just show up they'll, they'll, they'll be there about nine do your best yeah do your best it'll either be the um, son of a billionaire or a seven foot tall demon monster <laughs> <laughs> who knows what's going to happen when this door's open who knows I know as much as you at this point <laughs> okay you have a good day now goodbye 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 <laughs> <Ridiculous. Linda. laughs> Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so after this uh, we cut to the back with um, an interview with Brock Lesnar um, and I've written in my notes interview with Brock by Josh Matthews who looks like a twink um, so, <laughs> so, <laughs> he's never had sex with a woman so weird. no no well neither do twinks um, and, and so Josh Matthews is saying how do you feel about probably shouldn't say that like Josh Matthews is that petty guy that would sue Oh, you can't. What you can't sue for looking like a twink. Like <laughs> that's our def- that's our defence in court. <laughs> judge, look at him with his frosted tips and his stupid fucking voice. <laughs> judge, you, you're a man of the world. You know what twinks look like. Look at that twink. Look at this twink. And then he's like, case dismissed. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Josh Matthews is a twink. <laughs> Carry on. Dot com. Um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, Brock and Josh Matthews, um, Twinkie Josh, and Josh says, um, how do you feel about losing? Um, Brock Lesnar says, I didn't lose. And um, Josh says, was that a good Brock? <laughs> so, so it's not up there with your Stone Cold impressions, I've got to admit. I didn't lose. Um, Josh says, with all due respect, Brock, you did tap out. I didn't tap out and I didn't lose. And, uh, <laughs> and um, then he's talking. Sounds like a Looney Tunes character. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then um, Goldberg comes along. There's uh, hey Brock, Bill Goldberg, world heavyweight champion. Nice to meet you. And uh, how's my Goldberg? <laughs> so I, I pictured that in like a business environment. I don't know why. I don't know why he's got a suit on. It's wonderful. I don't like Goldberg 
trying to be funny or having a bit of a personality. Do you know what I he mean? He doesn't have one. That's not what Goldberg is. Yeah, Goldberg no. should just be this silent sort of come out, fuck people up and leave. I don't like him talking. And um, he sort of said, I'm just going to wish me luck in my match tonight. <laughs> And he walks off. Brock, you know what annoys me about that promo is like, first of all, Brock's like, "What are you doing here?" And then uh, Goldberg stands there, and he just walks away. He does a Perry Saturn. He just walks away, <laughs> and he went, "Oh shit, I've got a line." <laughs> what, remind me what that Perry Saturn bit was. I remember you talking there, about there's, it. There's a bit where China and Eddie Guerrero show up to the arena and meets up with like the radicals and stuff and and they're all kind of like doing like their promo bits and talking stuff and then perry starts to talk and the camera just leaves (laughs) (laughs) he's just kind of off camera (laughs) perry i'm guys perry hand me my mop um Yes, that's good times. I, I need to see that. I think I just remember you talking about it and finding the idea funny, but I've never actually watched it. Oh, um, so I'll send it. Don't you worry. Thank Don't you, you worry. Um, so okay, that's planted mania seeds. Um, that obviously leads to Lesnar uh, uh, interfering in the Royal Rumble and eliminating Goldberg a couple of months later. Then we get yep. um, then we get their match at Mania, which is famously terrible because they were both leaving. Everyone in the audience knew, and it was just bad, bad, sad times. Viva La Rasa. Viva yep. La Rasa. Next Good up, um, we have um, the coach coming out in his neck brace um, to the ring. Now, this oh, God, um, yeah. this segment is the reason why Tajiri Jamie Noble was moved to Heat. Um, he comes out. He's talking on the mic because he got 3D by the Dudleys the week before. That's why he's got the neck brace. He says, um, I know you were worried about the brutality that just went down, but I just want to let you all know that I'm fine. Um, it's good. It's, Coachman was good. I've written in my notes here. Coachman was a good heel on the mic. Mm. And what the fuck happened when we got him back um, last year, whatever it was, we just had this terrible, terrible, bland commentator. And he you watched this like, stuff and he was great. Yeah. Oh, no, he was great. Like, I, I think people forget how, like, much Coach was on TV, like, with the Eugene stuff and Stone Cold Steve Austin and, like, being Eric Bischoff's lackey. He was on TV so much because he had such a hateable voice, face, everything about him was hateable. Mm. And he really played it so well. But, yeah, when he came back, he was just this ESPN stooge. They just turned him into a robot of, like, I commentate on sport. Look at the wrestling. It was just so bad and <laughs> so bland. Look at the wrestles. <laughs> and it was just really, really boring and bland. So I'm so glad they got rid of him. And uh, yeah, the fact that they took Booker T off commentary for Jonathan Coachman is an injustice. I still can't suffer. Booker T re- remains and is controversial. Booker T remains one of my favorite commentators of all time. <laughs> there was someone that came up online of uh, it was like the anniversary of. Um, when Eric Rowan's at commentary before a pre-show and Booker's there just going, looking real jacked, baby. Looking real jacked. And Eric's, like, not saying anything. He's just fiddling with his masks and his bag and Booker just keeps going, real jacked. Real jacked, baby. <laughs> Did you see um, the clip of the Hall of Fame when um, DX were getting their rings? And um, they're all getting their rings and Vince McMahon's there because they have the photo with Vince, don't they, with their rings yeah. before every Hall of Fame. And um, he sort of, he shakes everyone's hands and he just looks at Billy Gunn and goes, hard as a rock. <laughs> Unbelievable. And Billy Gunn looks all, because like Billy Gunn, you can tell he's quite nervous because this is probably the first time he's seen Vince like, since he was sacked and since it, he's got a job with AEW, right? So he was probably a bit nervous about what Vince would be like and Vince just, just goes, hard as a rock. Just looks at him and <laughs> up and down. And I don't know if he was talking about Billy Gunn or himself. 
Um, yeah. <laughs> um, based on our two episodes around Vince McMahon, I, I, I feel like I can categorically speak for him when I say Vince McMahon was hard as a rock. Yeah, he's just, he's just acknowledging his own erection. Um, cool, so... Sorry, yeah, Billy was used to it. He was like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Good to see you <laughs> yes, again, Vince. Yeah. How's the kids? Cool, yeah. Uh, now, now we're on to the, the tag team match. No, no. Um, we, so we need to finish this bit with Coachman. So, um, oh, yeah, that. sorry. Um, Mark Cuban um, is at ringside. Now, Mark Cuban is the owner of the Dallas Mavericks, and I assume the arena they're in is the Dallas Mavericks where they play? I... Probably. Right. Um, Mark Cuban is famous in America, I guess. Is he? Really yeah, know. I think he was back then. You know, right. he was a, a big deal. Owner of this basketball star of team, and yeah, people seem to like him. And I think he's actually um, he's put some money into AEW recently. He's um, doing something with AEW now. Um, but he, people love him, and I'm sure he's a nice dude. But he has got one of the most punchable faces I have ever seen in my life. Oh, he really does, Mark Cuban, man. Like, I, again, I'm just a stupid Englishman. I don't really know who he is. Um, just rich guy, I guess. But God, I want to hit him. And he gets in the ring. Um, oh no, Bischoff comes out, doesn't he? Bischoff comes out and goes, "Come on, Mark Cuban, let's have a fight." Um, he get Cuban gets in the ring, um, pushes Bischoff over, and then Randy Orton runs in the ring and hits Cuban with an RKO. And Cuban, to his credit, sells the RKO really well. Yeah, he really does. He's he, a great job. He, yeah, he does a great job of, of kind of selling it. And you could tell he was kind of excited and good to be in it. Like a lot of celebrities, when they get in the ring, they're just like awkwardly waiting for cues and stuff. But no, I think he really nailed it. He was into it. And I, th- I think he's a proper proper wrestling fan based on the AEW stuff that he's um, done recently. And um, uh, what I liked as well, um, I only noticed this on my watch earlier. So after the RKO, um, the camera cuts to Bischoff, who's at ringside, sort of, you know, going, ha, that's what you get. And then um, behind him, uh, there's the um, one of the camera runners who you know runs the cable along when the cameramen are running around. Is just like pissing himself looking at the ring, so he's having a lovely time, which I thought was quite nice. <laughs> I don't miss that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, so then um, after that, we cut to um, Evolution backstage, surrounded by Clunge, and uh, <laughs> the smell of battery is just <laughs> in the air. Battery. Oh, so it's like an auto trader in there. I had to wipe my screen. And um, so <laughs> they're all there. Um, Trips takes his um, takes his t shirt off to reveal the body of a flabby bitch. I've written in my notes. Um, <laughs> Randy um, then Randy runs in and uh, goes, "Oh, I just okay, Mark Cuban. He's a legend. I'm a legend killer." And but he gets distracted by the girls um, who both pinch his nipples. But yeah, that okay. So I was going to go into that, but also I love that he runs in like a four year old. Daddy, daddy. Yeah, just, guess what I just did. Well, and, then, and Rick's like, "Good job, pal. <laughs> well done." And then yeah, they just pinch his nipples. Well, they, yeah, which is which is nice. I mean, um, it's good good times. And um, so they do that. I, and I then, ain't kink shaming. And then they no, not at all. Um, I'm not a big fan of my nipples being touched. Where do you stand on it? No, I don't really get the whole sensation with them. I have quite small nipples. Do you? I don't have small nipples or large nipples. My nipples are quite normal, but mine are overly sensitive, like to the point where I don't enjoy it. It's like when you sort of gently rub your tongue on the roof of your mouth, and it's like, oh, I just can't handle it. Oh, that's um, good to know. Yeah, so yeah, so um, stay away from my nipples, people. Guess what's happening when I see you? Diddly. Oh, hey, you know a monkey banana microphone's arriving for you tomorrow. Yes. Um, I've put another special message in there for you, so I hope you appreciate it. Jesse, that's getting delivered to my place of work. Yeah, it's all right. Sorry. 
happened. <laughs> I apologise in advance. Um, anyway, um, so Trip says, I'm going to be World Heavyweight Champion again. This is going to be wicked. And they all cheers with glasses of champagne, which means that um, Triple H is breaking the WWE wellness policy rules, which clearly states you're not allowed to consume alcohol within eight hours of having a match. Wow. Yeah. Stone Cold has been breaking that for a while as well. (laughs) That's why they got rid of him. (laughs) Okay, so we jump to a tag team match. We have Doug and Danny Basham defending... Can we talk about this real quick? Go on. No, I just want to talk about this match real quick. Oh, you just want to get through it quickly? Yeah, because the Bashams uh, are just something I don't want to remember. Again, we're not kink-shaming, as we've said. Um, The Bashams are BDSM. Um, big fans subs basically with um, being accompanied by Shaniqua who was a tough enough winner who again confused 13 year old Jesse um, I wasn't quite sure whether I was attracted to her or not and um, I think I was um, Shaniqua you look at yourself yeah um, uh, she's very Amazonian big muscular black woman um, which you know living in um, rural England I'd never seen one of them before and <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean though and um she uh, she's basically their dom she whips them both um, on the ass during their entrance to get them ready for the match that Shane should have tried that instead of the shadow boxing and maybe he would have won his match um, that's all good then um, Chavo and Eddie come out in a Texan pickup low rider which is fun um, they come in um, Eddie's hair I wrote about Eddie's hair I wrote um, Eddie's hair is ridiculous feathered mullet thing that's what I put in my notes. Um, nice. Yeah. It was very feathered, his, his mullet. I don't know what you ask for when you go into a, a barber. No, no, me. I don't speak Mexican. Um, <laughs> well, it, you're just doing it all in this match, aren't you? <laughs> um, so, uh, but they start. Um, Shaniqua hits a mean clothesline to um, Eddie on the outside, um, which I actually thought looked quite good. She was a, she was a terrible wrestler If you when you speak to other professionals at the time. Um, but that was a good clothesline. Um, it's a pretty standard match. Eventually, she gets rolled in the ring, um, gets frog splashed, and um, then bent over the knee of Chavo, and he spanks her lots, and um, this thrills Eddie. Then um, then the Basham steal one. They um, basically roll up Chavo after Chavo accidentally kicks Eddie um, in a um, tornado DDT. Um, Chavo's pissed off, planting more seeds for his heel turn and the um, Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero Chavo match at Royal Rumble, which obviously led to Eddie Guerrero becoming a main event star and winning the WWE title a month later. More awesome seed planning. Definitely. Doesn't happen anymore. Sort it out. So that's that match. Nice and quick. Um, Shaniqua hot. BDSM gimmick weird. Um, we love Eddie and Chavo. Also, side fact, um, she was in WE for, for two years, so she retired in 2004 after receiving a um, Banzai drop from Rikishi, and that was her last ever televised appearance. She then went on to be a substitute teacher and a, a study hall teacher and currently works as a college basketball referee. Awesome. Imagine Shaniqua being your substitute teacher. I mean, she's used to subs, right? So we're halfway there. <laughs> That was actually pretty funny. Thanks, man. <laughs> cool. So, um, next. Next. Next is um, the match of the show, in my opinion. It's um, Team Stone Cold versus Team Bischoff. 
yeah, yeah. we get the um, we get quite a long promo package, um, basically documenting Stone Cold Bischoff bad, Stone Cold good, Bischoff bad, Stone Cold good. Bischoff um, becomes co-general manager um, along with Bischoff. This match happens because Bischoff basically says um, you're allowed to hurt people again if you win this, but if you don't, you're gone. Yeah, yeah. Battery Clunge makes him the co-GM. Battery then... Clunge does do this. And then she's got so a, little charisma when she's on. So, but I love that promo where she comes out where she's like, "Steve, you can't go around beating the hell out of anyone you please." <laughs> I really like that line. And um, yeah, he was not happy about that. So uh, and th- so this match has, I think, me and Jesse have quoted little segments from this match over and over again. And th- there's a bit in, in the video where Stone Cold can't lay a hand on another superstar unless they provoke him. <laughs> and I feel like Jesse can do this better justice than I can. Which one of you some bitch is going to be the first to provoke me? Exactly. And also, Chris Jericho's credit, one of his press promos is when he's going, <laughs> you want to hit me, Steve? Steve, you want to hit me, Steve? <laughs> you want to hit me, Steve? <laughs> oh, Jericho, we love you. Would you please hit me? Um... <laughs> And um, <laughs> his, his uh, I've, I think our line we've used most is the bit he uses in his retirement speech at the end, which which we'll get to. Oh yeah, okay. it's my absolute favorite, absolute favorite. So but, uh, Team Bischoff has a pretty solid team. You got Chris Jericho and Christian tag teaming at the time, I believe. Uh, yes. Yep, and then uh, Mark Henry. This is Mark Henry's first pay per view match in four years. Now, the thing I find interesting about Mark Henry is he is a charisma void in this match. Yeah. He doesn't know where he is. He doesn't know what the fuck he's doing. But, like, he's finally kind of given a chance for, for the money that WWE saw in him, like, four years ago. And then in the past, like, near the end of his retirement, obviously, like, the John Cena retirement speech. And ever since then, he's just become the most charismatic person in WWE. Yeah, he's awesome. He's like a it's... proper um, veteran now, isn't he? Like a legend. It's weird. Yeah, And it exactly. just happened overnight. And you got the legend killer Randy Orton and the uh, I, I detest Scott Steiner so much, but Scott Steiner was also on the team with his uh, fun gimmick of uh, beating and abusing Stacy Keebler. Yeah, which was cool. Um, I God, I love Steiner. Um, I hate Steiner. I do a good impression of Scott Steiner as well. Go on. Then. What? <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, spot on. Yeah, and he was go- going up against Team Austin. Hang on, probably one of- um, was Test in this team as well, or not? He was not. He, he was, was not. Why, uh... why do I think Test was in this? Well, it was kind of like that time when they were having that storyline with Stacy Keebler, yeah, right, Steiner, right. and Test, and Test was just before mm. this. There's a great, uh, um, there's a great Twitter page. Have you seen it? It's called um, "Is Test Still Dead?" <laughs> and every day they just tweet yes. <laughs> <laughs> Horrendous. Horrendous. Oh, good. Uh, team Austin's team consists of is, Booker T. By the way, this is my favourite um, moment of the whole show, I think. Oh, really? So okay, so the, I'll run... The entrance of Team Austin. Oh, okay. So the team is Booker T, Bubba Ray Dudley, Devon Dudley, Rob Van Dam, Intercontinental Champion, Bubba and Devon are Tag Team Champions, and Shawn Michaels. And as a kid, I loved the, the storyline build-up through Raw of Austin being like, I don't trust no sons of bitches, but like he he goes to Shawn Michaels, who's been like a long enemy of his, and he he asks him to be on his team. And Christian Shawn is like, yes, my friend, anything for you. <laughs> he went hardcore Christian during this phase. Like he was having the T-shirts with like the Christian Fish logo with HBK in the middle, the big cross T-shirt. It was excessive. Yeah, it was excessive. really excessive. <laughs> he loved God. Yeah, go with Christ. 
why was the big bad dog? Why why was this entrance a favourite of yours? I just thought it was like a normal entrance. It's just fucking. I don't know what it is about it, man. Like it just gets me fucking going. Like I get goosebumps. I mean, Stone Cold's music always does that for me. Anyway, I love the um, smashing glass and the music is amazing. That music hits. I just thought this was the coolest team that had been put together. They like every person in this team was just cool to me. And they come out, and the way they're announced, it's like it's Stone Cold Steve Austin's team, and it's like Booker T, the World Heavyweight Champions, Bubba Ray, Devon, the Dudley Boys, the Intercontinental Champion, Rob Van Dam, and the Heartbreak Kid, Shawn Michaels, and just like they, they all got their own little bit when their names said, even though they're coming out to Stone Cold's music, they all get in the ring, Stone Cold's on the corner. They're just all doing their bit. Do you know what I mean? It's just cool. Oh, it's Bubba's fired up awesome. as well. Bubba's, Bubba's fired up for everyone. I think he throws his um, belt into the ring in advance of him getting into the... Like, he's on the entrance ramp and just throws his belt into the ring. It's just fucking cool. Yeah, he gets all up on the ropes into Mark Henry's face. Yeah, they're just ready for it. It's just such a cool team. They just And obviously it's Texas, right? So everyone's going fucking mental for Stone Cold and Stone Cold's music. Just so cool. Just what a cool entrance. Love it. Yeah, th- th- this match is... Um, when we eventually do the showing matches to non-wrestling fans, I feel like this is going to be in it for my favourite 5-on-5 Survivor Series elimination match. It is quintessentially, for me, the best one they've ever done. Yeah, I think I'd agree with that. Good. <laughs> so, um, we start with a couple of quick eliminations. Um, no? Not a quick elimination. Is it We not? have wrestling. No, we have wrestling for quite a while. The um, the first wrestler eliminated is Scott Steiner by Booker T, and that doesn't happen for a good seven minutes. Oh, wow. Okay, fair enough. And that's because Stacey Keebler gets up um, on the apron, doesn't she, and starts shouting yes. and supporting Booker T. And that obviously angers Scott Steiner. We get a good um, camera angle of um, Stacey Keebler from the floor when she's standing on the ring apron. And... That's all good. And um, yeah, so we just remember from that. Like, <laughs> so it's like the best fire on fire I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> so um, <laughs> Scott Steiner gets eliminated. Uh, this is a year anniversary, by the way, of Scott Steiner's WWE debut because he um, debuted yeah, you're right. on Survivor Series 2002. Chris Nowinski. Give me a fucking mic! And um, yeah, and what a terrible career in WWE Scott Steiner had when you think what a star he was in WCW. It's almost like Scott Steiner's terrible. <laughs> I, so one of the things I noticed when I was watching this match earlier, because um, I was watching this on the commute um, into London this morning on the train, and it's so weird watching wrestling at like 7 o'clock in the morning and just having everyone around you watch. The weirdest one was the um, the BDSM with like Shaniqua spanking Chavo, and you're like, ooh, I should probably close my laptop screen. <laughs> Yeah, this is an awkward one. I'm going to be on Twitter later. Someone's right. going to be Compton. You're cool with but, watching um, men in their pants like bump into each other in public, but as soon as oh, yeah. some heterosexuality happens... <laughs> I am just uncomfortable to their maximum degree. But Scott Steiner does a belly-to-belly on Rob Van Dam, and he just drops him on the top of his fucking head. <laughs> that's, but that's Steiner's thing. I know, and then he just that. keeps doing it. And Rob Van Dam's like, fuck off. And he just tags out. He doesn't even do a dramatic tag. He's like, I'm out. Someone else deal with this dickhead. <laughs> Don't you even like young Steiner? Like when before no, he was I've never, overly roided. Never like Steiner. Oh man, yeah, Steiner brothers were wicked. Um, when like the early days, have you ever seen him do a Steiner screwdriver? Yes, yeah. The most pointlessly dangerous move in the world. I love it. <laughs> I love his brother. I think his brother's like the actual talent. Real estate Rick. Yeah, he's he's a psychopath and a real estate agent. Oh, well, just you wait till our top five real estate yeah. agents. 
And he's uh, the dog face gremlin. Did you know that was his nickname? Yes, yeah, that was the nickname. <laughs> what a strange nickname. Um, uh, can we just name an episode top five real estate agents? No context, just name it that. Yeah, of course. It'll then be a Thank slash you. hit. Um, <laughs> so, uh, what other good moments are there in this match? Um, I like it when they eliminate Mark Henry's and Rob Van Damme hits one of the best five-star frog splashes I've ever seen him hit, actually. And, yeah, there was um, a reverse 3D that leads into the, the Oh, yeah, splash. of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- used to fucking love that as well. When... Um, they would set up for the 3D and the audience knew the 3D was about to happen and the whole crowd would just go 3D like that. No yeah. one does that for any finishes anymore. That's fucking cool, isn't it? Just sort of the way the audience would chant the finisher. I love in this match as well, from the very start, like the Dudleys are so fired up and the crowd will not stop chanting, we want tables, like constantly. Yeah. And it's not until Devon gets eliminated that you could just hear across, the, you could feel it across the whole audience. They go, oh, okay, no, no tables. <laughs> no tables. Never mind. Sorry. Um, About your business. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, RVD hits that five-star frog splash. Then I think like both Dudleys and RVD all lie on top of Mark Henry to pin mm-hmm. it, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, that happens. And then... Um, eliminations keep happening and eventually we get down to um, only Shawn Michaels being left for um, Team Austin and we have Randy Orton, Christian and Chris Jericho left for Team Bischoff and there's some great JR commentary when he sort of says, you know, I know Shawn Michaels has climbed mountains and performed miracles before but I don't think even he could do this and we start and um, Shawn Michaels um, blades for the business um, oh, after a, a blade, a blade job that really didn't need to happen. So he no. gets. Um, well, it did. It, it added to the whole, you know, down on his luck, underdog kind of thing. And it, it's my favorite Sean Blade. No, this is the thing with like the whole kayfabe of wrestling, right? So you, you believe stuff happens, and that's just like the natural order of things. Shawn Michaels is the only person who gets thrown into the ring post, a completely <laughs> spherical round thing with no sharp edges, and comes out with uh, with a bloody face. Mm. Do Makes you, zero sense. Do you know something that really annoys me though? Um, this so I remember showing this match to my mum when when it happened when I was like thirteen, and and my mum didn't believe that it was real blood because people just don't, do they? And um, so it's really annoying because um, when Shawn Michaels is on the floor, he throws the blade under the ring. Yes, I noticed that this viewing this time. Yeah, and when he does that. It sort of looks like my mum's. My mum's like, "Oh, that's him getting rid of the blood capsule or whatever." And I'm like, "No, it's fucking not. It's real blood, but you can't prove it." Back then, do you know what I mean? It, yeah. It really yeah. annoyed me when I was a kid. But um, <laughs> mother, mother, there. See what blood looks like. Um, <laughs> I know we've just found a preview sound for the episode. <laughs> so um, there we go. Um, and uh, Sean does good. He eliminates Christian and Chris Jericho. By the way. Yeah. Christian has a great showing in this match. He does. Like, really good. And also, when Christian gets eliminated, the, the it's the best switch of music out of nowhere ever. Yes. Without a doubt. Because he's just coming at him and you think, oh, normally we're in a bam. Yeah. Switch of music. Sean does his collapse on top. Oh, absolutely love it. And then you have the whole Chris Jericho avoiding a lot of stuff. Gets him into the walls of Jericho. Yeah. And then it's just into a, a small package cradle. And he gets eliminated. Then Jericho grabs a chair from the outside, comes in the ring and hits uh, Shawn Michaels over the head. And you're like, oh, this is the end. Yeah. And my favourite exchange <laughs> between Chris Jericho and Stone Cold is just, Chris Jericho has the worst middle finger. And like, if we were going to rank <laughs> middle fingers, like, 
McMahon is at number one, and then at the bottom is Chris Jericho, because it's such a feeble little middle finger. He's but fuck you, Austin. Yeah. You're out of here. You're going home. And I love... Obviously, now we're in the PG era, and this stuff just doesn't happen anymore, but Jericho talking shit to Austin outside, and... Um, reading austin's lips was like one two three get to the back and then jericho still might have enough and austin just goes fuck off yeah. <laughs> i think it was genuine as well it, was like, it really was it was just fuck off yeah just fuck off now you've had your moment um yeah it's funny goes, yeah my um, current phone wallpaper is vince mcmahon doing the middle finger i think i showed you last time you were here oh it's so I? good it's yeah. so good it, it was on the screenshot you sent me earlier oh yeah of course it was <laughs> in jokes anyway so Shawn Michaels has left with the legend killer Randy Orton and Randy so Eric Bischoff comes in the ring because Shawn Michaels is tuning up for the band and Eric Bischoff does his little karate sidekick it's the little karate kick I've ever seen in my life and God God bless Shawn Michaels for selling it Oh, he's a hero. Austin gets in the ring. He's like, I've had enough of this shit. He stomps a mud hole in Bischoff. Crowd delivers... goes fucking mental, by the way. When um, Stone oh, Cold yeah. gets involved, That's the all crowd they wanted. fucking love it. It's amazing. All they wanted. But then Austin hits a stunner. And seeing as this is one of his <laughs> last stunners in kayfabe is like absolutely fantastic. Because he hits the stunner on Orton. And Orton does a flip backwards and lands in, his, lands in the rope. And on hard cam, you've got Randy Orton's lower torso draped over the bottom rope, legs spread, and you have just got a clear view down Death Valley. <laughs> As we're in Texas, that's very funny. Um, yeah, you can see what Randy had for breakfast. And Good God. It's, yeah, Death Valley. Um, that was funny. And... Um, yeah, so that happens. Um, Stone Cold continues to throw Bischoff at the entrance ramp, um, stomping a mud hole in that bitch. And um, whilst that's happening, Batista comes out of nowhere and into the ring. And JR, with some more great commentary, like, Batista, no, and all that. Um, Batista hits a sit-down power bomb on Shawn Michaels. Um, a great Batista bomb. A great Batista bomb. It was very good. Um, then he um, picks up Randy from his um, indecent position and um <laughs> oh no <laughs> rolls him on to short michaels um and we get the one the two and the three and team bischoff beat team austin and that's the end of stone cold's career kind of technically um and so um i really like it so stone cold rolls into the ring picks up short michaels short michaels is saying i'm sorry absolutely covered in blood and um, like it, every other time this sort of moment has happened, Austin has stunned the bitch, hasn't he? But oh, yeah. it and was sort that's of really, what I like. felt he like it like, was going to happen any second. Yeah, he was teasing it because yeah. there's a bit where Sean puts his hand on Austin's arm, and Austin just looks at it and then just removes it, and you're like, oh, he's going to stun that bitch. Yeah. Damn. But Austin, the way Austin looks into Sean Michaels' eyes is like it's true love. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like he looks like I've he... never been looked at like that. I know. I would find a, find someone who looks at you the way Stone Cold looks at a bloody Sean Michaels. <laughs> <laughs> And he walks into the back, which is very sweet. He, he walks in, and it's very nice. And then Austin's music hits again, and everyone's like, "What the fuck's going on?" Yeah, and, he comes and even commentary's like, "It's it's like the match is starting all over again." Yeah. <laughs> uh, and he comes out from the speech. And um, as a kid, I remember it being much longer. But when I watched it today, it's it's very short. He's he's a man of few words, is our Austin. But yeah. um, he says he started his career 14 years ago in Dallas, Texas. And he's he's not, um, he's not happy about a damn thing, but he feels justified that it ended in Dallas, Texas. And, and the most goodbye. best line Stone Cold has ever spoken in his life is, uh, 
Oh, yeah. I'll, and you won't hear Stone Cold say this an awful lot, but I love the shit out of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> How was that delivery? Uh, that, that's all I was doing this episode for. Yeah. That's all I wanted from this. <laughs> God damn, that was perfect. Thank you. And then uh, Austin leaves for six weeks until he becomes made sheriff or something, and then he just gets to kick the shit out of anyone he wants. That yeah, doesn't make that's any when, sense. That's when he comes back with his um, four-wheeler, which um, is, <laughs> to me is um, one of my favourite Stone Colds, when he was just driving around on that thing, just doing what he wanted, and going to everyone who went down the ramp um, on the office chair. Well, this is what I was about to say. I feel like when... Because it was his birthday celebration, after all, went off the air. And he, he got the rolly chair from the announce table and was like, I'm going to roll it down the ramp and see what happens. <laughs> and I've never seen such pure joy and adulation in a grown man's eyes. So fucking happy. That's and like, I feel like that was his turning moment of going, I could do this that, with an ATV. That, that career lights, like that career highlight is up there for him. Along, yeah. Alongside like WrestleMania 17. Yeah, it's like, oh yeah, I was in with like Mike Tyson, I was with The Rock, and you know, the, I'm the most celebrated wrestler of all time, but I did a rolly chair down a ramp. <laughs> I did a wheelie chair down a ramp. Um, <laughs> <laughs> after Stone Cold speech, Jonathan Coachman comes out singing na 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 na, way a a, goodbye, um, and says, Stone Cold, you suck. Then um, Austin just beats um, Coachman up, crowd go mental, hits a great stunner on um, Coachman to sort of end his kind of in-ring career um, and it was great um, I think it was a it's weird that it was it didn't last long uh, but it was a really it felt like a really good send-off at the time for Stone Cold didn't it yeah yeah really did it, it was kind of like a perk like we knew his in-ring career ended at Wrestlemania 19 but this was almost a nice closing chapter but it's wrestling no, no one ever goes away we thought Shawn Michaels would be the, the separation to that rule, but nope. No, bold Shawn had to um, do some do some wrestles. Um, yeah. So next, uh, we go straight into um, the Vince versus Taker Buried Alive match. Oh, yes. Yes, we do. So um, we What see, a match. Yeah, we see the promo. Um, we actually get... Another, it's weird. Like I, I didn't think about it at the time because I didn't know that... You know, watching it live when I was 13, I didn't know that Taker was going to lose, obviously. Um, but when you watch the pre-package knowing that, they actually do quite a nice um, retrospective of The Undertaker's career um, through the 90s and stuff. Yeah, that's um, true. Which they're sort of doing as a, you know, you're not going to be seeing Taker for a while, but it, you only know that in hindsight. But it's so it's nice, uh, nice package. It's got Vince, um, yeah. you know, bad guard. I've been chosen to bury the Undertaker alive and all that stuff. Uh, it's good. Then Taker comes out as the American Badass for the last time. No bike, though. Um, just walks out. And then we get Vince coming out, who is fucking jacked. Um, 2003 oh, yeah. Vince was ridiculous. Like, totally jacked. He had, this is Vince's best year wrestle-wise as well, I think. Think of the matches he had in 2003. He had Hogan at WrestleMania. He had um, Zach Gowan. And Stephanie yeah. McMahon. <laughs> they were amazing matches, all of them. Um, <laughs> in fact, our, was our, our first ever episode was Top 5 No Mercy matches, wasn't it? It um, was. All that time ago. And I believe I put Vince and Stephanie in, in my top it's like five. Number, yeah, it was number two as well. It was really, <laughs> really high up. <laughs> it was great. But it was all leading to this. It was Vince losing his mind. And so Taker took it upon himself to um, make Vince atone for his sins. 
and um, Vince comes out jacked as fuck but with his hands in prayer walks down um, walks down the um, ramp and um, goes up to take her and I couldn't fully lip read but he's, I, he's sort of saying you know oh I'm religious now it's fine I, I'm, I'm all good God loves me um, so what Vince does is punches him as hard as he can in the face busts him open straight away if you think you've seen a bl- bad blade job um, if you think Eddie Guerrero's at Judgment Day was bad and it absolutely was if you think Great Mutas was bad and it absolutely was this one is fucking up there man and no one's oh, no God, one talks yeah. about it this one is up there the I've got an image like on my screen right now and it's just when he's getting choked by the cable yeah I, I, I'm just gonna put that away it's it's horrible to look at so Vince and blading it, it's like he goes for the artery on the side of the head because that's clearly what Sean nicked yeah, when yeah. he did his blade job and I feel like Vince is like fuck it go for the artery <laughs> He's, yeah, but the blood is like thick, and the way it drips out of his head, and um, it's a, yeah, he gets a, a Taker just squashes him for a while, um, completely fucks him up, and um, choking him as you said with the camera cable on the side. Then um, Taker looks out to the audience and goes, "I'm just getting started," and um, some fat Texan lady in the front row goes, "Woohoo, yeah!" Which is quite funny. <laughs> uh, and, um, he um, goes, he goes and grabs the shovel. Do you remember? He grabs the shovel. Yes. This is my favourite bit. Yeah, smacks um, Vince in the head with the shovel really fucking hard. But this is the conversation that must happen backstage because Vince being Vince is like, just don't hold back, hit me as hard as you can and takes it to kind of guy who just goes, all right. (laughs) I didn't give a shit. I've got like job security. So when I was a kid, I really liked um, American Badass Undertaker and to me it sort of felt like he'd come out on his... I'd always have have this image in my child brain of like Vince, uh, Vince uh, of Undertaker, just like he'd have, he'd know he'd have his match at SmackDown or the pay per view or whatever. So he'd be like in Texas, you know, in his biker bar or whatever, drinking Jack Daniels. He'd be like, "Oh, I've got to get to my match," <laughs> just get on his bike, drive to the match, like literally drive into the arena on the bike, not not get off the bike straight. Doesn't acknowledge anyone. No, yeah, straight down the straight entrance Straight past Yeah, exactly. Yeah, drives past, maybe grabs a donut or something as he goes past, but <laughs> he's still going, and uh, just drives straight down the entrance ramp, gets in the ring, does his match, wins, then just gets back on his bike and just drives back straight back to the biker bar. Like I used to just have this image in my head and thought it was the coolest fucking thing in the world that that's how he lived his life. <laughs> but anyway, anyway, um, he um, yeah. So he does that. He takes Vince up to where the grave site is at the top, by where by where the ambulance was. It was a strange setup this night. All the stuff going on, and um, Vince gets a bit of offence in by throwing sand in Taker's face. Um, but it doesn't last long. He hit the Undertaker with a shovel, and he actually fell into the grave. He did, and yeah. then that's when he pulls McMahon into it. Yeah. Then Taker goes to get into the um, big JCB thing in order to drop all the dirt on Vince um, then Pyro hits and um, Taker gets flown off and Kane appears it's Kane and <laughs> Kane it's Kane and um, Kane basically fucks Taker up puts him in the grave pulls Vince out tells Vince to go into the JCB and drop the um, all the dirt on him Um Kane takes Taker's um, bandana. I think Kane had forgotten he was supposed to do that. And then last minute, oh shit, yeah, I need your bandana. And so gets in and gets it. Um, then as the dirt drops, Kane holds his ha- arm up in the air and starts laughing. And the way he laughs makes his chest sort of ripple 
in this bizarre way <laughs> that stood out to me when I watched it the first time in 2003. And I still think about it sometimes now. Just like, you know, these things just pop in your head sometimes. Yeah. And like that pops in my head. There was a moment once when I um, wore a white T-shirt and a black waistcoat and caught myself in the mirror and thought I looked like Han Solo and it made me pleased. I also think about that quite a lot. That just pops in now my I've head. Now I've got um, Triple H's titty jiggle from WrestleMania in my head. Oh, yeah. That was a good that one. That was a good titty jiggle. Oh, that was brilliant. I'd forgotten about that. Oh, I never forget. I need to watch I that never again. forget a titty jiggle. Yeah, yeah, these things just happen, don't they? But uh, the way <laughs> the way Kane, yeah, the way Kane's chest ripples is pretty much the stuff nightmares is made of, and that happens. And Taker is buried alive, and everyone's like, "What the fuck, son?" And it was yeah, like especially when we were watching as kids, it was like, "Wait, what?" Vince because like Undertaker had ninety five percent of the offense through this match, and Kane interfering was something you wouldn't expect because Kane had a match earlier on in the evening. So why would he be interfering in this? And also wrapping my head around it of like the way the dirt dumps into the thing. I'm like, oh my God, how did Undertaker survive that? Yeah. Obviously like magic. Yeah. That's yeah, the only explanation. Yeah. Obviously. Um, Taker went to Hogwarts, I reckon. <laughs> He's the new uh, professor of dark arts. Oh, could you imagine that spinoff? <laughs> that, oh man, that needs to happen. We were oh. talking about, on the last show, we were talking about all the great Netflix series you could get out of wrestling. Undertaker at Hogwarts <laughs> might win the whole thing. <laughs> Rest in peace. Sorry, so what What chapter is, is that on? Kane definitely went to Durmstrang if, um, if Taker was Oh, you fucking nerd. What's up? Um, okay, so um, that happens. I really like that this obviously is a way to bring back the Deadman Undertaker at WrestleMania against Kane, which is great. But I also like that this is symbolically, like, literally killing the... Um, biker taker right like yeah he's killed he's buried he's buried alive and that's the death of that character before the traditional dead man comes back i think that's awesome that's like a nice cool um thing that maybe they didn't intend and i just made up in my head but i like it anyway let's go with it let's just go with it yeah all good so that happens and that feels like it should be the end of the show because it's such a fucking massive moment feels like main event end of the show and in fact for a few years i did think it was the end of the show because that's when the tape I was using to record this live um, ran out, so I assumed that was the end. <laughs> but it wasn't. Uh, so... You are terrible with this. What do you mean? Did, I, I want to know how many pay-per-views you think have ended when they haven't ended, because didn't this happen at like an NXT as well? Oh, it's happened to be a couple you, of times. I didn't know DIY yeah. had broken up for a long time. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking idiot. They lost to the Authors of Pain. I was like, oh yeah, that was the last match. They lost, they're sad, they would be turned off. That copyright logo is like a worse enemy to you than it is Johnny Gargano. Yes, yeah, I just, I just know that. I just assume it's the. I fuck, fuck, so, sorry for like watching telly like a normal fucking person. Anyway, uh... <laughs> you got really angry about that. It's like I really called you out on something. <laughs> so um, at this point, we've got um, about ten minutes of the show left, and you think we've got a whole other match plus entrances plus uh, a video package. Oh wait, but it's a Goldberg match, so it should be fine. Um, Goldberg we watch the um, promo thing so Goldberg wins the world title Unforgiven from Triple H after having lost the Elimination Chamber at SummerSlam before that which is the wor- one of the worst ideas WWE ever had they should have yep. given Goldberg an undefeated streak like he had in WCW um, sort of making him lose that quick was stupid 
Um, but he does win at Unforgiven, and then um, Goldberg gets his ankle fucked. Do you remember Triple H puts a bounty on Goldberg's head and basically says um, $100,000 to whoever can fuck Goldberg up? And um, Batista is the man that does it and in turn joins Evolution. Um, basically puts Goldberg's ankle oh, in a chair. Yeah. And um, stamps on it and um, fucks Goldberg's ankle up. I say fucks Goldberg's ankle up. The only indication of Goldberg having a fucked up ankle is the fact he's wearing a bandage on it when he comes out for this match. Otherwise, there's no evidence of him having nope. a bad ankle. Um, nope. Triple H comes out all tubby because he was off the roids at this point because him and Stephanie were trying for a child. Um, he's also wearing biker shorts because he had a groin tear. Yes, and I loved the biker short look of uh, Triple H. Everyone hated it, but I, I really liked it. I don't like... He literally looks like he's... I mean, you know, I like the idea of Taker um, biking into every match. Triple H literally looks like he's just cycled there <laughs> in his full spandex. <laughs> he comes behind On Taker through catering. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Pedal quicker, Rick! <laughs> oh, Rick Flair, by the way. Um, it was announced today that he's been um, hospitalised... Um, and very it's poor quite health. very poor health. That's the news that's come out today. So hopefully he'll be okay. At the time of recording, he is still with us. So all the I best, just there. We love you. Um, that okay, happens. so there's an update, by the way. Oh, okay. um, son-in-law Conrad Thompson has confirmed it isn't as serious as TMZ has reported. It was a scheduled procedure. Flair wanted to get done. Oh, fine. Okay, fine. Uh, don't worry, then, Rick. It's all good. Fuck you, TMZ. Fuck you, Tums. Um, cool. Um, uh, Goldberg comes out. No backstage camera for Goldberg. He just comes straight out, regular entrance, which is weird. I was expecting Disgusting. to see the um, locker room, you know, when he always tries to push the pull door before he leaves. And, <laughs> and uh, then headbutts and gets concussed and forgets what he's doing. Yeah. Oh, that was funny. Uh, that was when he was came back last year or the year before, wasn't it? When he yeah. um, was doing a promo and blood just started trickling down his face <laughs> for no reason. And then there's like an after promo um, like interview with him. He's like, I don't remember a word I said. I was concussed. I don't remember anything. Only because he'd had the door in his entrance. What an idiot. Um, interestingly, watching this earlier, um, when Goldberg comes out, the crowd are loud, but it sounds like it's been piped in by WWE. The crowd mm. are much higher than the crowd have been the rest of the night. It's sort of got that woman and children sound to it. Um, yeah. Like that sort of Beatlemania sound. And it it's not in keeping with what the audience have sounded like the whole of the show. I think they piped in um, cheers for Goldberg's entrance. Interesting. It sounds like, give it a, uh, give it a rewatch and see what you think. But that's what I think. Um so the match happens, um, very average match. Um, Triple H thinks he's Ric Flair um, doing chop blocks and um, focusing on Goldberg's leg. Ric Flair's loving it, by the way. And every time the ref turns his back, Flair like runs in and chokes Goldberg. At one point, he's choking Goldberg um, at ringside and then just turns and starts running towards the front row <laughs> to scare a bunch of people sitting in the crowd. <laughs> he's like choking them, just like, come on, and runs to the front row. And uh, that's good. So Flair's having a great time. Um, the ref gets knocked out at some point Triple H gets the sledgehammer out Goldberg um, manages to defend himself, all of Evolution come out, Randy and Batista um, Goldberg fucks them all up, he starts going into super mode um, squashes them all um, then he hits a spear and a jackhammer on Triple H, two moves that involve that would be very difficult to do if you had a severely injured ankle but Goldberg has completely forgotten that his ankle's injured at this point. Hey, hey, he's a professional. He's a trooper. He works through the pain. 
Yeah, but he so he hits the spear. You know, he sort of does that jump every time he hits a spear and s- slams his feet into the ground. Yeah, like he he even does that after the spear, and it's like, come on, mate, you're supposed to have an injured ankle. You don't, you didn't need to do that. Um, trips. So um, Goldberg um, pins him after the jackhammer. The ref just comes around for a slow three. Um, Trips still kicks out just after the three count. So it's one, two, three. Then Trips gets his shoulder up because he's a student of the game. And yep. um, that is the end of the show. And Goldberg celebrates, and that weird sound, Beatlemania audience sound happens again um, at the end of the match, which makes me. You're all about the conspiracy theories in this ma- in this show. Yeah, I, I genuinely think. Um, watch it, and anyone listening, watch it, and let us know what you think. Um, it's strange, and it's weird that they would do it for Goldberg. Um, I mean, I know they were sort of trying to get him over, but it sort of felt like they were also done with him at this point. Do you know what I mean? Or yeah, very it's a bit soon yeah, would be. bit forced. His second run was definitely better, that's for sure. Yeah, which is crazy, isn't it? Yeah, but uh, that was Survivor Series 2003. I hope we, we jogged some memories for you and uh, have inspired you to go back and watch it so you can know what the fuck we were just talking about for two hours. Yeah, that was quite fun. Did you enjoy that, going through I a, did going enjoy that. Oh, it was great. Great. So a quick, um, as we are a top five. Um, oh, shit, yeah. Yeah, fuck. My, t- my top five moments. Um, I, liked, um, I liked Stone Cold laughing with Vince. That was good. Um, I liked Lita's socks. That was good. <laughs> Um, I liked um, I liked Kane being described as an inbred pit bulldog I liked um, what else did I like um, Shaniqua's tummy um, <laughs> and uh, finally my number five is the fat Texan lady really enjoying herself as she gets splattered by Vince McMahon's blood fuck these top fives have gone down now <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so John Cena's rap I thought was a great way to start off the show it was really enjoyable uh, then I'd have to say Kane getting smacked in the face with the ambulance ambulance door yes. is one of my favourite <laughs> memories never, of it's all John time. Cena has changed the way we say ambulance we're never going to be able to say it I have right. to stop myself and be like ambulance <laughs> and in my head I'm going ambulance ambulance <laughs> uh, just the whole Stone Cold Steve Austin Team Bischoff match is uh probably number one but uh vince mcmahon bleeding like a stuffed pig is absolutely beautiful and randy orton's nipples getting pinched yes nice good shout yeah randy orton's nipples um were a focal point of this show oh or do i want randy orton's death valley pose <laughs> i want randy <laughs> orton's death yeah, valley okay, pose yeah go for uh, yeah randy orton's uh, randy orton displaying his breakfast straight down i-95 <laughs> just right down there <laughs> Undertaker's cycling into Randy's ass. Um, <laughs> Followed by a tandem bike. So that, that was our review of Survivor Series 2003. Obviously, this isn't our normal format episode, but we like mixing things up at the moment to keep ourselves entertained. So uh, if you liked it, let us know. Yeah, if you, if you, if you, if you liked you it, like we'll it. do more shows like this. Yeah, if you didn't, we'll go back to the old format and we'll be miserable. It's fine, don't worry about it. Yeah, it's fine. So also, <laughs> this Saturday, make sure you go and check out Russell. WrestleGate Pro, WrestleGatePro.com. There's still tickets available. You get to see the bastard pack in action against Jody Fleisch and Robbie X, uh, Gabriel Kidd, Chris Ridgeway, Giselle Shaw. Just so many, there's too many to name. Every single match has a name across the board that you guys will love. So go and check out the show if you're around. Uh, make sure you go to our website, JoshMatthewsIsAtwink.com. <laughs> it's got all the information you need about Got Till Five latest episodes. <laughs> 
<laughs> and where to subscribe. And yeah, subscribe to our um, socials and all of our Spotify's and iTunes and leave a review. Thank you so much for joining us. And Jesse, thank you for taking us on that journey through memory lane. It was nice. It's an underrated show. And I like talking about it with you because it's fun. And there are some ridiculous moments. And uh, you're the only person who understands me. I love you. (laughs) (laughs) I love you too. We'll be back in two weeks time with another episode. Make sure you tune in and stay glued to the socials to find out what's happening. Thank you for joining us. Thank you, Jesse Benz. Everybody have a wonderful two weeks.